0: Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host Connor and in today's episode we are going to be answering the most frequently asked questions about... The Digimon card game. I'm a firm believer that the only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. But some questions get asked so often that it can get tiring to answer them over and over again. So my hope is that by doing this episode, it's going to stand as a one-stop destination that people can be sent to when they ask one of these frequently asked questions. First, though welcome to the new year it's great to be here with you if you're a continuing listener who's followed us into the new year thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast it really does mean a lot every download every twitter follow every share it all means a great deal and i appreciate you all for it and if you are a new listener welcome i hope that you're excited to be joining us here in 2021 we've got a lot of really cool things planned and i hope that you will stick around to see a lot more of the memory gauge podcast now one of our new goals for 2021 is to shout out one listener every episode now you're going to want to make sure to stay until the end of the episode to find out how you could be that listener receiving that shout out this is just another way that i want to say i appreciate you listeners thank you for your support thank you for your engagement with the show here's to you And with that housekeeping out of the way, we're going to head into our main topic right into it. Now, I'm going to be answering some of the most frequently asked questions about the Digimon card game. If you're like me and you spend a lot of time online reading and talking about the Digimon card game, you have probably noticed that there are certain questions that new players ask a lot and that get asked a lot. And I'm not here to say that you're wrong or anyone is wrong or stupid for asking these questions. We should always feel comfortable asking questions and our goal as a community should always be to make people feel that they can ask questions. Because making people feel like they can't ask questions, like they can't maybe ask things that might seem obvious to people who are a bit entrenched, that's how you lose potential players. But that said, when it's the same questions being asked over and over again, it's a sign that perhaps the answers to those questions aren't as readily and easily available as they could be, or maybe they need a bit more explaining. So my goal is to answer as many of these common questions as I can, and then hopefully my goal is that this episode is going to act as a resource for answering these questions. So if people are getting tired of typing out those answers over and over again, you could direct people to this episode, and it can stand as like a Q&A for all these simple questions. So I tried to collect all of the questions that I thought were the most commonly asked questions. I put it to a few different players I knew, put it to the Discord. Um, So hopefully these are going to be all of those questions that we're seeing over and over again, those questions that new players definitely have when they're first looking at the rules, first learning how to play. If I've missed anything, please do feel free to let me know, and all the contact detail is, of course, always in the show notes. And with that out of the way... Let's answer some questions. Now, I'll try to order these in a way that kind of makes sense, but we're pretty much just going to be going through them as they occurred to me. And I'm also going to leave a list of these questions in the show notes, and we're going to be leaving the timestamps so that you can skip straight to the answers that you need. All right. First, commonly asked question. If I missed buying 1.0 during the pre-sale, will I still be able to buy 1.0? The answer to this is... Is yes, the pre-sale was a special event. It was basically, um, Bandai wasn't able to get the game going for the English release in November that they wanted, so they did a pre-sale just to try and get some of the product out to try and maximize that sort of. Um, November time, which is the time that you want to be launching a new card game like this. They wanted to get in on that and get some discussion going, get some purchasing going. But the actual release of 1.0 is going to be happening at the end of January, the end of this month. So you are still going to be able to buy 1.0. Now that's not me guaranteeing that your local game store is going to have any stock after it fulfills their pre-orders. A lot of people have been really excited. A lot of people have been pre-ordering and I'm not promising that your particular local game store is going to have stock left after they fill all those pre-orders. But barring that sort of circumstance, 1.0 should still be available to purchase. So don't worry, you haven't missed out on these cards. They are still going to be accessible. It's just the people have been very excited. They've bought up a lot of stock, but hopefully that's going to sort of settle down as the actual release comes and we'll hopefully be seeing a lot of product around that time. Can I play Japanese cards in English events? No. Unfortunately, Bondi's tournament rules explicitly state that only English language cards can be played in official English events. That's their official tournament rules. So, if you're playing in an official ev- English event, you're not going to be able to play anything other than your English language cards. Now, that doesn't mean that you're never going to be able to play with your imported Japanese cards or other language cards. Ask your friends, your local play group, your local game store, whether they mind. I find that most game groups are pretty fine with it, so long as they're consulted first. So, really, you just need to always ask before bringing in cards from outside the language. But you see this a lot in other card games where people play cards from other languages because for various reasons, they might be cheaper to get a hold of, it might be the only copy they were able to find, etc. But you're just not going to be allowed to play your Japanese cards in an official English language event. And this is for a few reasons, but the big one is that in an event like that, they need to know that everyone can look at the card and understand the effect quickly in a gameplay situation, and the sort of most fair way to ensure that that's going to happen is that everybody is playing with the same language cards, so there's minimal confusion. Okay, when Digimon battle, do they reduce their DP? So, if I battle with my 4,000 DP Digimon and it's battling a 2,000 DP Digimon, is the other Digimon's DP reduced by that amount So does my 4000 DP Digimon now have 2000 DP and the 2000 DP Digimon is now reduced to zero? Is that the way that the battles work? Because that's the way it works in some other card games. No, when Digimon battle, they don't reduce their DP. When Digimon battle in this card game, you actually compare the DP's and the Digimon with the lower DP loses the battle and is deleted, but neither Digimon's DP is actually affected by the battle. So this means that getting deleted in battle isn't going to trigger any effect that says it triggers when a Digimon is deleted by its DP being reduced to zero. That's the main reason we're seeing this question asked, because it does work that way in some card games, and people want to get those yellow effect activations But no, in Digimon, when Digimon battle, they do not reduce their DP. When I attack an opponent's Digimon with my Digimon, which has piercing, and my opponent has no security left, do I win with the piercing effect? And as a corollary, do I win when I attack my opponent directly, who has no security, and my Digimon has minus one security attack? Now, the answer to both of these questions is no, and the reason I've grouped them together is because it kind of has one explanation. The only way to win the game is to attack your opponent directly when they have no security, be unblocked, And your Digimon is able to check at least one security card. So security attack minus one doesn't just stop your Digimon from checking security. It actually also stops it from being able to attack for the win. You can still attack with the Digimon and get any when attacking effects. But it's not going to trigger any security. It's not going to check any security. It's not going to win the game for you. And then piercing is great. With, because you can take out an opposing Digimon and get a security check, but it's not going to get you the win. You actually have to attack your opponent directly. Does attacking the security count as attacking the player? Yes, yes, it does. The best way that I've found to think about it is that there are only two valid attack targets a suspended opponent's Digimon or the opponent. And when you're attacking the opponent, the security stack is just acting as a shield that your Digimon have to work their way through when you attack your opponent, but you are still attacking your opponent. So any effects that say they activate when attacking your opponent will still activate even if your opponent has security left when you do so. So that's the reason people are asking about this. They Some effects do trigger and they say when attacking the opponent... So that includes when you're attacking for the win, but it also includes when you're attacking the security. Do I get on-play effects when digivolving? Now, this is probably the most frequently asked question by new players because it is a little bit confusing. And that's because we use terminology like putting a card into play means putting it from your hand onto the field. So it does get a bit confusing. But the answer is no, you do not get on-play effects when you digivolve. Playing and digivolving in this game are different. When we say on play in Digimon, when we say playing, those on play effects only trigger when you are paying the full cost of a Digimon and then playing it directly to the battle area, not on top of another Digimon. For example, I will only get Volcanic Dramon's effect. This is the red level 6 Um, It costs 11 memory and it has on play, delete all your opponent's Digimon with 4000 DP or less. I'm only going to get that effect and wipe my opponent's board if I pay that full 11 memory and play the Volcanic Drummon onto the field. If I Digivolve it onto my Metal Greymon, its effect isn't going to activate because the trigger is on play, not when Digivolved. Conversely, I can only trigger, for example, Togemon's effect which is a when digivolved effect, by paying its digivolve cost, digivolving it from another Digimon in the battle area that is putting it onto a valid target in the battle area, and its effect isn't going to trigger if I pay the full cost and play it directly to the field. I'll still get my Togemon, but it's not going to trigger any when digivolved effects. So you do not get on-play effects when digivolving in the same way you don't get when digivolving effects when you play a card directly. If I give a Digimon an effect or a status, or minus or plus DP, and then it digivolves or de-digivolves, does that effect or DP change stay? Yes. Even as they move up and down the digivolution chain, a Digimon stays the same. Digimon, if you've given it plus 3000 power and then you digivolve up, it is still going to have that plus 3,000 power. Um, this makes sense if you consider it as working the same way that it does in the show and it does in other media. So Ty's partner, Agumon, might Digivolve to Greymon and then later it'll come back. he'll come back down to Agumon, but he is still Tai's partner. He is still the same Digimon. So any effect that affects a Digimon, like reducing their DP, remains when you de-Digivolve or Digivolve that Digimon, it's still going to have those buffs. So, giving your opponent's... Um, Digimon minus a certain amount of DP and then D it can be a good way to get rid of it. Does a Digimon in my breeding area count as having a Digimon of a matching colour when playing an option card? Yes. So the rulings around option cards is that you're only allowed to play them when you have a matching colour Digimon or Tamer on the field. Um, this also counts Digimon in the breeding area this can be a bit confusing. The breeding area is a really strange sort of area of gameplay that has a few specific rules about it, which is why this is so confusing. But yes, it does count because the way that I've seen this explained, which I thought was made a lot of sense to me, hopefully it will make sense to you, is that the option card checking for a matching color Digimon or Tamer isn't actually... Uh, Uh, ruling written on the card it's actually a gameplay mechanic inherent to the game so it's not beholden to sort of which zone the Digimon or Tamer happens to be in it's just checking if you have one on the gameplay board if it was a ruling that was written on the card it would probably only affect the uh, battle area, but because it's actually just a gameplay mechanic, it's allowed to check the breeding area as well. And in the early days of the Japanese meta, we actually even saw some decks that played off-colour Digitama for the sole purpose of having access to off-colour option cards. So this does get really, really confusing, but if you have a Digimon that matches the colour of an option card in your hand, but it's in your breeding area, you can still play the option card. And coming off of that, does X-Effect... Count the breeding area. Now, this could be any number of effects, but the answer to all of this is no. Effects that are checking for certain Digimon or are affecting all of your Digimon do not affect the breeding area. For all in game effects, and remember the option is sort of an out of game mechanic, um, for all in game effects, the breeding area is considered a separate zone that does not interact with the battle area, so no effects from the battle area are going to interact with the breeding area, which is good because that's part of the reason that you can use the breeding area. You build up a perfect level 6 or level six 7 Digimon in the breeding area where your opponent can't delete it, it can't be destroyed by card effects, not even incidentally, and then you move it out, you keep it safe in the breeding area. So it does actually have a purpose, not being able to affect stuff in the breeding area, but conversely... Also, your effects are not going to affect any of your cards in the breeding area either. Do when digivolving effects happen in the breeding area? When I digivolve a card with a when digivolving effect onto a Digimon or Digitama in the breeding area, do I get that effect? No, you do not. And this is a ruling that really confused me and took me a long time to start to sort of understand. But if you digivolve into a Digimon with a when digivolved effect, in the breeding area, that effect is not going to trigger. When digivolved effects only count if it's did being digivolved in the battle area. Remember that the breeding area is an area sort of outside the main area of the game. Effects do not work properly in there. It's just to safely breed up that Digimon. So, unfortunately, if you're looking to get your when digivolving effects happening in the breeding area, they're not going to happen It's one of those things you just kind of need to remember there's not really an easy way to explain it it's just one of those things that you just need to understand and that's going to come with practice now do digimon's effects activate when they are revealed as security digimon no security digimon do not count as digimon they do not get effects that affect all your digimon Their effects do not activate. The only aspect of a Digimon that comes up from your security that you need to worry about is its DP. And if an effect affects security Digimon, it's going to explicitly say so on the card. And we do actually have a few cards, especially some yellow cards, some red cards, that explicitly state security Digimon on the card. Now, if it does not explicitly state that the effect will affect security Digimon, then it does not affect Security Digimon. No, not even then. No, not then either. It just doesn't. The only way that you're going to be able to affect your Security Digimon or your opponent's Security Digimon is with cards like the yellow cards, that the TK from the starter deck, which buffs your Security Digimon, for example. But it says Security Digimon on the card. If it doesn't say Security Digimon on the card... Doesn't affect Security Digimon. Need to make that one very clear. This is another one of those questions that people get really confused by and it gets asked a lot. So explicitly, if the card does not say Security Digimon, doesn't affect the Security Digimon. If an effect says to add one of something and one of something else to my hand, do I need to have access to both? A bit confusing. So here's, for instance, the Green Tyrannomon. In the 1.0, it has a When Wendigibolt effect that causes you to reveal the top three cards of your deck, add one level five Digimon and one green Tamer from among them to your hand, and then put the rest on the bottom of your deck. Now, the question is, do I need to, in those three cards, get both a level five Digimon and a green Tamer for the effect to work? If I only get a green Tamer or I only get a level five Digimon, does the effect not work? No, you don't have to hit both. You can... um you can get just a level 5 Digimon or just a green Tamer and still put it into your hand. Some effects like this will let you look at the top few cards of your deck and then add one of them to your hand if it fits fits you certain criteria. And some other effects are going to let you add more than one to your hand if they fit those criteria like this green Tyrannomon, The effect still works even if you only get one or the other. So when an effect is worded like this and it allows you to select more than one target, you do as much of the effect as you can importantly though if you reveal one of each you do have to take them both because the card does not say up to it does not give you an option you have to take them both if the card said up to one level five digimon up to one green tamer then you could choose not to target them but if it doesn't say up to then you have to do as much of the effect as you are able to but that does mean that you still get the level five digimon even if you didn't get a green tamer and vice versa Does my turn end immediately after the memory counter moves to one or higher on my opponent's side? No, not immediately. Now the turn is only going to end when the memory counter moves to one or higher on your opponent's side. And then all effects resolve and the memory counter stays at one or higher on your opponent's side. So if I play a card and the action of playing that card, it costs enough memory that it sets the memory counter to one or on my opponent's side I will then resolve the effects of that card and if the effects of that card cause me to gain a memory then I will resolve all card effects gain a memory the gauge will be set to zero it will continue to be my turn it won't be a new turn so I won't get to unsuspend everything. I won't get to draw another card. It will be the same turn. So when the turn would end, you resolve all effects. And then if the memory gauge is still over your opponent's side, then it becomes your opponent's turn. But if effects resolve and the memory gauge has stayed on your side, then you it remains your turn. How long will this game be around? Is it worth investing in? It's very hard to say. Obviously, I hope that the game is going to be around for a very long time, not just because I enjoy the game, although I really do. Um, It's given me something else to bond with some of my friends over. I've made some new friends through it already, even though it hasn't been out that long. And I'm really passionate about the game, but also because it gives me something to podcast about. If I didn't have this card game, I wouldn't have anything to podcast about. We wouldn't be talking. But there is a lot of concern at the moment around game longevity, and for pretty good reason. It's not cheap to get into a new trading card game, so it's a bit of a money investment. And some people are worried that if the game doesn't last, then that money investment was a waste of money. And there's also concern that many trading card games don't seem to last very long at all. We've seen in recent years, over the lifespan of trading card games, since Magic the Gathering, that there have been card games that came out um, looked really good and then died really, really quickly or died unceremoniously like Duel Masters, for example. Um, there's even been in recent time. Just this past year, 2020, um, some several high-profile trading card game cancellations. The Transformers card game was pretty high-profile. It was from a big company, got cancelled. Future Card Buddy Fight, another high-profile card game from a big company that got cancelled. So the idea of a card game not surviving is on a lot of people's minds at the moment. Now, I'm not an expert on economics or business or human psychology, okay? So this just comes from experience. That's all that I can speak from, my personal experience. And I'm not going to tell you that this game is going to last forever. I'm not going to tell you that this game will be dead a year from now, because I just don't know. And I would be really wary of anyone who says that they can tell you definitively how long Digimon is going to last, because I think there are just too many factors. So if anyone tells you this game will be dead in a year, this game's going to last forever, take that with a grain of salt. It's really, there's too many moving pieces to truly tell, I think. But what I can tell you is that the game is here now. If you enjoy it, if it brings pleasure to your life, if it does not cost more than you can afford, that's not pay for, but afford, then I think that makes it worth it, no matter how long it sticks around. And I think that any time or money you've invested in it, if you enjoyed playing the game during that time, if it didn't if it was something that you could afford and it didn't put you into an uncomfortable economic situation, then I think that that was worth it, no matter how long it lasts for. These games aren't lasting a long time isn't what it makes a game great. Magic the Gathering isn't this huge big phenomenon because it's been around for a long time. It's a hu- been around for a long time because it's a huge big phenomenon, because it's a great game and because of a lot of other lucky factors as well. But it's not just longevity that makes something worthwhile. So that's my answer on how long this game is going to be around. And with that, we come to the end of our list of most commonly asked questions for the Digimon card game. I tried to answer all the common questions I could think of. And if you are a new player, hello, I hope you found this helpful. I hope that I was able to answer some of the questions that you might have had about this new, wonderful game. Now, in closing, I wanted to say that I've seen a lot of negative commentary online regarding new players asking common questions. If you're a new player, you might have seen this. If you're an entrenched player, you probably have seen this. There's a lot of people who say that new players need to learn to find the answers themselves rather than simply being given the answers. And that's very valid. Sometimes this manifests itself as players who have been playing for a while or who really know the rules guiding new players to the rulebook and other resources. Sometimes, though... Older players or more entrenched players are kind of rude to new players asking simple questions and dismissive. And that can be really, it can be really frustrating to see people making the same mistakes, especially when you say the answers are so easily available and many players taught themselves the rules and they think, "Ah, it wasn't so difficult. But it's important to remember that A, not everybody is coming from the same place. So it's not things that are simple to you aren't as simple to other people. And B, the game lives or dies on new players, and none of us benefit from making new players feel unwelcome. And now that's not me saying that you have to always be on call to answer the same questions over and over again. I'm absolutely not saying that, and in fact... That was the inspiration for this episode, to serve as kind of a one-link answer to those most common questions, so you don't have to always be on call to answer those questions over and over again. But being dismissive of new players isn't the way to go either. We should all want this game to grow and to thrive, and that means that we're going to need to get new players involved. And these players might even be new to trading card games as a whole. I... In the official webcam tournament, my last round of the day was played against someone who had never played a trading card game before but loved Digimon and so they were trying to teach themselves. And that's great. Those people are going to need a lot of help though. They don't have that background that some of us who have played a lot of these games do. That said, if you find that you're getting frustrated seeing the same questions over and over again, then do yourself and the game a huge favour. Just scroll past. It's not your job. answer these questions you don't have to be doing this all the time if you're getting frustrated then remove yourself from that situation rather than taking it out on somebody else okay because that's not fair on you that doesn't make you feel really good and it doesn't make the other person feel really good so rather than giving a quick or dismissive answer that might put someone off the community it might not but it might it's best to just give no answer at all because we do have a sizable community and there's almost certainly going to be someone who is in that right frame of mind at that moment to devote some time to answering that question. It's not like these questions are going to go unanswered. I have not yet seen... Any question on the Facebook page, go unanswered. Any question on the Discord, on the Twitter, go unanswered. And this is especially important as we come to the official release date because we're going to be getting an influx of new players. So if you are one of these entrenched players, just remember that while it is important to be welcoming to new players, sometimes being welcoming means knowing to take a step back before you become that person who's clutching their head and screaming, Digivolving and playing are two different things! Because I feel like we've all gotten close to being that person and it's important to know when you need to take that step back. And I'm hoping that this episode is going to serve as something that you can just throw in as a link when you're feeling that but the person still needs an answer. Now, we come to the end of the episode. Thank you for making it this far. At the top of the episode, I did say that I'd be starting to shout out a listener each episode. So how that's going to work is each week, I will be asking a listener question. And then each week, I'll be sharing one answer to the previous week's question at the top of the episode. And there are three ways that your answer could be featured. So if you are on Twitter, if you are tweeting on Twitter, then tweet your answer with the hashtag Hashtag memory gauge Podcast on Facebook. Join our Facebook group, memory gauge Podcast and reply to the listener question post. There'll be a post up with the listener question. Just reply your answer to that post. Or finally, you can email your answer to MemoryGagePodcast at gmail.com with listener question in the subject heading. And I'm going to have all these links and instructions in the show notes. I know it's three different sets of instructions. This is the most fair way that I could think to do it. So... With all that said and done, this week's listener question is, what made you decide to pick up the Digimon trading card game? I can't wait to read all your answers, and hopefully we can all learn a bit more about each other. If you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, tweet at me at ConnorEFMG, join the Facebook group, or email me at memorygaugepodcast at gmail.com. I am always happy to hear from you listeners. New episodes coming out each week, so be sure to follow the Memory Gauge podcast on your podcast service of choice to stay up to date. This is the Memory Gauge, logging out.